1: Hello everyone, uh, welcome back to Wasbiz Live from our Barangaroo studios. We kick off the, uh, the afternoon as usual with the call, uh, 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel for adjudication. We do it all in one hour on this February, the 2nd of February. Let's get straight into it. Uh, panel today, Grady Wolf from Bell Direct. Grady, good to see no, you. Really good to see you as well. And Ben Clark from TMS Capital. Ben, good to see you. Let's kick off. With you the uh the fed decision and particularly the press conference from jerome powell that followed that decision has set the markets alight they loved what he said why
2: well it was a bit of a surprising reaction to me i mean i, I watched the presser and um it, it's become the main event now koshi you know it, it used to be the fed statement now because Jerome Powell really goes off script, which is quite unusual. Ben Bernanke certainly didn't used to do that. He's much more open in terms of where his mind's at, where the committee's mind's at. So that's where all the focus is now. Um, you know, that was on at 6.30 this morning, so that the market was still trading during that press conference. So I'll give you a stat. Tesla was down 7% before the Fed um, verdict came out. It closed up 6%. But that that's how big it is. Thirteen percent turnaround. Yeah. And this is one of the biggest companies in the world. This wow. isn't some small company. Things like Peloton was up twenty-seven percent. Um, you know, so some of these really, you know, those real kind of mem stocks, growth stocks, you know, really rallied on the back. My take on it, because um, I watched the December one as well, where he well and truly freaked the market out, uh, was There was much more sort of sanguine language used. He acknowledged that um, they were seeing the results of their work in inverted commas. Um, He said there's more work to do. Uh, He's still saying, you know, we intend to lift consecutive rate hikes. The market, I think, is increasingly questioning that. It's quite amazing. We're in January. You think back to January 2022. The bond market was rip, bond yields were ripping higher, and the Fed was coming out saying we've got no intention of lifting rates. We don't. The bond markets, you know, it's illogical, and of course the bond market got it completely right. And we're seeing it's almost the exact opposite theme happening here, where the bond market is increasingly saying rates are going to get cut at the end of this year, and you're going to stop very soon. And they're saying no, we're not. We're going to keep lifting rates. So. Right. You know, Chris, I, I think I suspect the bond market's right on this. You know, Hang there's on. a lot of money.
1: The markets there. are always right. They were <laughs> right when our Reserve Bank fought the market. Um, yeah. they, they just got to do it. Um, Grady, it uh, was interesting overnight, the big turnaround as Ben was saying, particularly in tech stocks, but the Aussie dollar went through the roof. Yeah. Um, and so stock of the day, uh, let me remind you uh, the first five stocks this half hour eh, before we get on the stock of the day Telex Pharmaceuticals, Capricorn Metals, Coronado uh, Coronado Global Resources, uh, Lion Town, and Monash IVF. We're going to do those five in the first half. But, Grady, the Aussie dollar went through the roof. Now, we know there are a lot of currency sensitive Australian stocks, and um, if Jerome Power and uh, and the financial markets are saying, "Hey, it's close to the top. It's going to pause. Uh, U.S. dollar will weaken. Australian dollar go up. Who are going to be the major beneficiaries there's, on our market?
0: Yeah, there's quite a few out there, and looking at different sectors, not just one sector, who's going to benefit? So obviously, gold for me is one big one. Yep. Um, the Australian spot price gold, uh, Australian gold swap price remained really resilient in 2022. It's only set to go higher with the USD weakening. So yep. any gold producers like Capricorn Metals are talking about today, De Grey Mining, those two are on our radar at Bell Potter. Um, importers as well, interestingly, so JB Hi-Fi, Harvey Norman, the cost of importing goods is going to go down mm-hmm. so yep. that looks really good. Anyone on the acquisition front or expansion front in the US, so anyone, any company is looking to expand. So Domino's Pizza is really aggressive on their expansion over there um, and other companies look to benefit from that as well so acquisitions will be cheaper expansion opportunities paying staff everything will be cheaper and another one bigger cheese so bigger cheese has more bargaining power because their ingredients side and their ingredients come from some of them come from the US so we'll see cost cutting for them on that front okay so a few different names there yeah yeah
1: yeah. (laughs) Ben what do you think
2: yeah I I think that's a good list Um, I'd be a bit cautious on gold just because I think if the Aussie dollar goes higher typically gold comes off because we're seen as a risk on currency so you know there's less um, less demand for your safety of gold. Um, so I'd be looking maybe in that resource space um, you know if you're selling iron ore in US dollars um, you know this is this potentially is nice. Mm. Um, um, what? Well, yeah, major importer of course um retailers are an interesting one so you know because the retailing space has been pretty out of favor we have seen a bounce back recently um but you know those importers do do well out of this i would say most companies the rising aussie dollars a bit of a headwind for them um, these days we are um you know increasingly a global stock but the other thing is uh koshi you know typically the market will do well if the aussie dollars rising um Global investors like to invest in currencies that they think are going to go up for obvious reasons. And, right. um, you know, so the, the, the Australian share market as a whole should be a beneficiary. So maybe ASX is one to
1: look at, which has been out of favour. Okay, interesting. All right, let's get into the stocks that you want me to put to our panel. And uh, uh, Grady, Nick wants a view on Telex Pharmaceuticals, uh, a biotech Um, with radiation therapy into prostate cancer, uh, renal kidney disease, uh, brain cancer as well operates uh, here, United States, Belgium and Japan. What do you think of Telex?
0: Telex is a very good company to look at in the healthcare space. Bell Potter has a buy rating and a price target of $9 per share on Telex at the moment. Now right. the company, the most recent report Bell Potter did was called Ellucic's Momentum Gat Building. So that is their key product. It's TGA approved, FDA approved, is already operational, doing really good things around the world. Oh, you've
1: got a target of 9 bucks.
0: $9. And it's 6 yeah.
1: at the moment. Yeah, so okay. shares have come That's off in the
0: healthcare sell-off of the. Last year, but yep. given the momentum in the space at the moment with Aluxix, so what it is is a radioactive diagnostic agent indicator, indicator used for um, uh, looking at cancer imaging in patients. So it's right. required. For the scanning, they've done over 300,000 scans annually, especially in the U.S. market. So, with such a priority of cancer treatments and cancer cancer diagnosis, yep. it's a huge, huge step forward for this company. Um, they're also looking for the zircon product, so that's kidney cancer diagnostic tool. So, they're expanding in the cancer space, um, but with their zircon product, which isn't TGA and FDA approved, but they're looking for that this year in uh, CY 2023. 20, um, so, revenues upgraded by 16% based. Based on recent expectation of ongoing quarterly revenue driven by the Elusix expansion so more and more um, companies mm. around the world and more and more geographic locations are taking on their Elusix product so moving forward the company is really really good with the Elusix especially into Europe they're looking for that filing this year um, to get the expansion into the European region have Australia have the US they're on okay. a really good footprint in, in this year so by okay. rating at the moment
1: all right uh, Ben what do you think of Telex
2: um, yeah, it's, it's, it is an interesting one because, you know, this product, I think it's called a Lukix, Grady you might yep. be able to help me with that, but um, it's, you know, you're seeing this hockey stick um, point of sales where two quarters ago they sold 16 million odd dollars of the product, and in the last quarter they sold 76 million dollars of product. So you, you can see that there is a very rapid ramp up now happening. Um, so, this is a time when you do get interested in these businesses. I, I would say the market cap of the company is $2.1 billion um, and they did $1 million of positive operating cash flow last quarter, even after generating that $76 million in sales. Right. So to me, if you're bullish on this one, you've got to believe that that $76 million is going to go multiples higher still. Um, for that, you know, that profit to start really getting punched out of the company or and or, um, you know, it does seem like this company has got a pretty good R&D pipeline and that there's more of these drugs that are going to be coming through and, you know, that's I think the optionality potential in this business is also where things could get hit. You know, you get a drug the market's got high hopes for going into phase three, it, it isn't successful. And suddenly, a key growth driver is gone. So I'll go hold because I like what I see in terms of the sales progress of the existing product. But I do look at a two billion dollar valuation versus one million dollars in cash flow, and you know that's pretty that's pretty big.
1: I must admit, I didn't think it had a capitalization of that amount. That's, that's yeah, pretty big. Well. So it's got it got to start delivering pretty soon. Yeah. All right. Um, our next talk, uh, Lachlan Ben wants a view on Capricorn metals. The um, um, the the Gold Explorer uh, WA has its um, has its gold projects there, Mount Gibson uh, and Carla Winder, and also interest in Madagascar. What do you think of Capricorn?
2: Yep. Okay. So one I haven't had a look at before, but I had a look at this morning. There's some. Again, probably there's some kind of things to like there. They've got this mine online. It seems to be producing at the potential that they thought it would. Um, so they're punching out about 120,000 ounces of gold per annum. I would say this: the existing mine is quite short mine life. It's only 10 years that they believe it will produce for. And you know, you typically see grades and volumes drop off in those last few years. Um, and then there's a second mine, which is actually Um, a producing underground mine that they believe was put on care and maintenance too early. They're drilling around it, hoping to find more gold to firm up a case to bring the mine back online again. Um, So, you know, it's trading on 22 times earnings um, and there's $50 million in net cash. So the balance sheet looks good. It doesn't look... Cheap, But, um, you know, if that second mine, if there is an investment case behind it, that PE should come down. I'm going to say a sell, just because I generally don't like, I think when you're investing in companies that have got quite short mine lives, there's like right. this tipping point that they hit. I learned that with Samfire which had the DeGarusa mine, which only produced for like eight or nine years and it. It never really traded to the point you thought it should, because the market could see that, you know, it was going yeah. run out, at, at, you know, in the not too distant future. Um, I'd probably look at others in the space. If
1: it okay. Not. Well, do you have a favoured gold, gold stock?
2: I think I've always thought Northern Star has been a, you know, probably a, a well run quality business with good assets. Um, don't own it. Um, I'm not a fan of gold at the moment. I, I, I think where the world's at, um, you know, I'm, I've been quite bullish and, um, you know, I think, I don't want the safety net of gold i'm probably more interested in other spaces and if i do want to be in mining um you know i think things like iron ore um, etc have probably got and copper um, i think have got a big case behind them
1: okay um grady what do you think of uh, capricorn
0: hold rating at the moment with a price target increase to four dollars and 35 cents up from four dollars and ten cents recently um Across the board, there's been a bit of a downgrade on this uh, on this stock. So Bell Potter has, downgrad- has the hold. Macquarie has downgraded to underperform from neutral. So it's not a very bullish outlook this year. Um, that's because at the moment gold production has dropped in their um, colour... Carowinder?
1: Yep, Carla. Carla Winder.
0: Yeah, yep. Winder, gold mine. Um, so production in the December quarter did drop, um, which is not exactly where you want to be when you're on just coming online yep. with this new mine. Um, also, year to date cost all in sustaining costs were uh, declined but were above guidance expectations. So uh, understanding that with production down costs around where you're expecting are a little bit higher, it's not great. Um, mining volumes were also down 50% from Q1 due to a temporary suspension at the mine because they had a fatality at the mine last year. And right. that was, that's still being investigated and that's expected to go on for a little while to come. Yeah. So with that understanding, the suspension at the mine, they did have production impact from that. And the investigations are obviously impacting for operations there as well. Um, the hold rating is maintained due to the slowdown in a recent quarter, but uh, the Mount Gibson mine is looking very exciting for them, um, given that their maiden reserve estimate and pre-feasibility study are expected in the current quarter. So right. they are progressing along that timeline there with, and once they have both mines online and operational, they're gonna look pretty good in the okay. future. But and, at the
1: moment. And for Bill, de Grey is your preferred de gold is preferred, mark. yes. Right, okay. Moment, yeah. All right, let's kick stick with the resources as well and uh, go from gold to coal. Uh, Frank Grady wants a, uh, a view on Coronado Global Resources. Metallurgical coal, so it's not thermal coal that goes into, into energy and power plants. This goes into the production of steel, the metallurgical one. Um, has mines in Australia and the United States Um, what's of view on Coronado?
0: It's a buy rating from us so the price target recently reduced though to $2.20 from $2.50 that's because production and sales were impacted by ongoing wet weather recently Um, the coal the realised coal price was more than Bell Potter expected at $223 US dollars a ton but production did come in a bit lower so it kind of counteracts a little bit for what we're expecting Um, the lower sales volume Expected is ex- expected to impact uh, full year EBITDA to 1.2 billion US dollars. They ended the CY22 with quite a lot of cash, which is pretty good, um, with net cash of 92 million um, and total cash of 335 million. During the quarter, they paid off some debt as well, which uh, Bell mm. Potter was really impressed with. Um, they've also secured their Contracts they've got fixed price contracts have been upgraded in the US, which accounts for about forty percent of revenue, which ah, is really ah. good given the outlook for metallurgical coal yep. is uh, some brokers recently and analysts recently have brought down their outlook for the yeah. price of I saw that. U-
1: UBS put yeah, out. Yeah, UBS put it saying, out this week. Yeah, coal's peaked exactly. on both sides.
0: Exactly. But also interesting that this company, so we we're talking about thermal coal just before. They were in talks with Peabody Energy Corporation recently, oh I think end of last year, that did they were going to merge. And start a thermal coal yeah. division. Um, those talks did end, but Coronado Global Resources said they'll pursue it themselves. So right. they are looking to benefit from thermal coal and go down that line to have diversified coal exposure, um, which is exciting for them as well. So, on that front, it is a buy rating because of what we see the outlook for them and the, the fact that they've locked in these prices, especially yep. when their price is set to come Target of
1: 230 I think, 220. 220, 220. Yeah. okay. Getting close to it. Um, Ben, what do you think of Corribado? Yeah,
2: I'm going to go buy as well. I I, I think this um, meta- thermal coal sort of probably increasingly wary of. I just think it's inevitable at some stage that we see a downturn in the price. But the market's kind of expecting it and has been expecting it for some time anyway. But, you know, with meteorological, there's there's um, more of a industrial um, need for it. Um, you know, if we do see a ramp up in uh, steel production out of China as they reopen, which the iron ore market certainly factoring in. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think you're going to see as much volatility in the price of this type of coal. Curra is an awesome asset, um, you know, uh, West farmers used to own it and, and sold it off some time ago. It's a very long mine life, probably one of the lowest cost of productions of any mine in the world and yeah. very high quality coal. Uh, says so you know it's good quality assets there but it's it's valuation it's trading on three times earnings and um, you know even using a more conservative coal price you might get to five or six uh, last year they paid forty cents out as a dividend um, that's a twenty percent yield backward looking so um, you know it looks pretty cheap to me and
1: it um, yeah, why you know, why is that because uh, that's you know not new n- Oh, well, I suppose just because they're being cash machines, um, uh, that's a better valuation than the Whitehaven or or New Hope, which are both in thermal, of course.
2: That's right. Um, Look, I think, as Grady was saying, they're not, because those are quite a chunk of their coal production is fixed on fixed prices. They're probably not making the super, super profits that the others are making at the moment, but they're that you know that earnings line is not going to move around nearly as much um there probably won't be a decent they've, they've moved so it looks like a quarterly dividend and there probably won't be much of one this quarter because of the flooding of current that we yeah. saw um in the december quarter but you know like i think the other thing is is that there's just so many investors now that can't invest in coal companies mm. and you know, because their end clients won't allow them to even if they like it or you know for various esg reasons so you know i think there is a case that many of these businesses will always look cheap just like cigarette companies in america they're still listed yeah. and they've been trading yeah. on two or three times earnings for decades
1: so do you prefer coronado to say um, whitehaven a new hope
2: i think so. yeah i think at this stage i probably would um just because
1: i think you know
2: there's still there's you can wake up in a week, and find that the thermal coal price has dropped 20 or 30 percent very conceivably. Right, uh, you're not going to find that with this coal, and I, you know, I think it hasn't had quite the boom that the other players have had.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, fascinating. All right, let's go from uh coal to <laughs> another hot resources, uh, and that is lithium. and Grady Hamish wants a view on Lion Town Resources. What was it? 2022, the uh. Hottest stocks were Whitehaven and New Hope. Yeah. And twenty twenty one it was Lion Town. It and was a little um, it of a it
0: lithium is still the word like I don't think it's going to go anywhere for a very long time especially as we see a ramp up in EV production a lot of other car producers are coming online with their first EVs and Tesla's been out for a while so yep. Tesla's losing their monopoly over the market but they actually have a contract with Liontown resources so Liontown has contracts with LG Tesla and Ford um, for offtake agreements which is really good for this company once it comes uh, once it goes now the they've got the um, Bell Potter sees them as a spec buy with the price target of two dollars and 81 cents mm-hmm. re- downgraded recently from two dollars and 87 cents just because they had a capital cost increase due to industry inflation increased plant capacity and prioritizing schedule to maintain first concentrate for mid 2024 so the company are really going aggressive at this strategy but requiring a lot more money and costs higher yeah. costs to do so um, understanding that they have cash reserves of 385 million so that's good on that front but they need a lot more than that to get off the ground and and forward, as we know. Um Bell Potter sees that Town will be the next major Australian player, independent producer of lithium, our uh, lithium concentrate and has the backing of da- major downstream of EV um, production and offtake agreements so with downstream we know that that's where the margins are in lithium they're not just yep. in the production and in the um, development and discovery they're in the downstream opportunities and turning it into the off taking off that we need so right. we also see that um, there's a potential early revenues from sales of direct shipping ore. so before anything is done to the lithium um, and that's exactly what competitor core lithium did and they've really reaped the, ve- the benefits of revenue on this front so understanding that there is an opportunity for lion town to do this before they come online with lithium production so that's looking favorable for them as well but at the moment it's a spec buy
1: okay spec buy it is it your preferred lithium it's,
0: it is at the moment, AllChem's one as well. Um, we have right. a really close eye on AllChem and obviously buy rating on AllChem at the moment. So that's probably our preferred, but we do like what we're seeing at LionTown.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, uh, LionTown's not alone in yeah. sort of the uh, developers getting into, the, into production they're all reporting high cost, shortage of labour. Exactly, the thing, and industry it's all, inflation. Yeah. It's a lot harder to come online than it it everyone thinks.
0: You've got the mines, but what do you do with it? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, ben, what do you think of Liontown? Um, yeah, I'm going to go
2: sell in Town. not because I don't agree that it will be a, a significant producer at some stage. And, um, you know, I think they are doing the making the right move, trying to value add. I just think a better plays in the in the space. That cost blowout was significant. I think it was like a 64% or something increase in the forecast cost to get this mine up and into production. But they also pushed the timeline out. And I, I you know, I I know everyone's saying the price of lithium is always going to be phenomenal, but it might not be as phenomenal as it is at the moment. And so they're now sort of saying mid 2024 is when they think they'll start producing, you know, who knows, that might get pushed out another six months or something like that. And I'd rather be in the in the, the producers that are making hay while the sun is shining, which is right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the other thing is, I think they're probably gonna have to do another a capital raising um, that they're, they're gonna have to fully draw down on their debt facility um, based on their new uh, numbers to get this mine up and running, and that's a dangerous thing to be doing when you're still not making any money. Um, so I know, yeah, great backers, soft-take agreements, all that sort of stuff. But you know, there's other players. Mineral Resources is the one for me, um, which um, I prefer to be in, and I'll say sell just to look at something different.
1: Okay, so Minres, of course, you're you're bullish on iron ore, as you were saying before, with uh, yeah. Chinese steel mills coming on, and and Minres, yeah, both, don't you? You've got iron ore and lithium together.
2: Absolutely, and you know, like Minres, um, you know, they're doing some really interesting things with their lithium as well. But they've got Abamal as their partner, which is the largest um, marketer and seller of of lithium. Um, I think at some stage they will probably spin the lithium business off, and I think there's a lot of Value that could be added in doing that. Yep. Um, so I know it's not on the radar right now, but I think be a, it'll be. It'll it could come back on at some point. Um, and you know, you're talking forty year mine life with Gina, low cost of production, great partner. You know, yep. they'll be the fifth largest lithium producer globally within a year. Wow, um, it's a pretty good place to be.
1: Yeah, yeah chris ellison has his tribe of fans as well you're obviously one of them the the boss of uh of minres and and yeah he was explaining i was in perth in october explaining to me that their big thing is to bring the processing back on shore to australia rather than ship it off to china for processing to to add that extra value to lithium
2: yeah that's right i i was- I was speaking to a funder who was over there in Perth as well and, and had dinner with um, the company and he was saying to me that um, um, he was speaking to the CFO and um, the CFO was saying the hardest part of my week is Monday morning up until lunchtime because Chris has just spent the entire weekend formulating all of it, you know, getting excited about new ideas
1: and things. And it's had a good run though. Like no, it's over 90 days. bucks now, is it? 90 dollars?
2: yeah yeah 90 dollars. $90. so um but you know like it's trading on a p at four koshi
1: hmm. hmm.
2: just because the share you know you always like versus the earnings it doesn't look expensive just yeah because the share prices run hard but you know it's kind of on the same multiple that coronado was talking about we were talking about earlier I'd much okay. rather own this than coronado all
1: right um our next stock uh is something completely different uh monash ivf regina wants uh a view on Ben, um, the uh, um, the the, as the name implies, IVF program, fertility programs.
2: Yeah, and this was the um, the company that really pioneered IVF. This was kind of a it was a hot part of the market like seven or eight years ago or something. We had about three of these companies all floated in quick succession or did very well. Um, uh, I'm going to go a hold on this business. It's this. These companies seem to be. They're constant. Like the bankers all seem to really like them. Private equity seem to really like them. There's, you know, they're going public and then they're being bought back and etc. etc. And I think it's because there is this awesome tailwind where women are, are, are generally working longer. Um, they're leaving. You know, the decision to have children till later in life, and they they need potentially assistance in doing it. And the science is getting better and better at helping them. Um, so there's this great structural tailwind for them. I would say, it, I think it is getting more competitive. You know, we saw primary healthcare rolled out a, like a lower cost IVF, but then, you know, I'm not sure, like, is, does that mean it's less potentially effective and you miss your window? Um, on the numbers, it's trading on 17 times earnings, 4% fully franked. They have advised that, you know, that there has, it sounds like there is some interest in the business circulating around and the company did need to respond to it. They've had the COVID issues, you know, hard to get um, women in to get ultrasound appointments and all these sort of things because there's this backlog on the machines that is working its way through. And, you know, maybe you see a pretty ripping period coming up for them, yep. uh, but, you know, not overly cheap, 17 times, I'd, I'd sort of say a whole.
1: Okay, Grady?
0: buy rating from Bell Potter with a price target of $1.39. Now, the company, um, as uh, Ben said, they did pioneer the the IVF program across Australia. They have a 20% market share. Australia, Singapore, Malaysia, they're expanding into the Asian Pacific region. Um, They have a lot of diversified offerings as well. It's not just IVF, they have sperm bank, um, day surgeries, pathology, surgical sperm collection, genetic counselors, the list goes on. They've really diversified Mm. across all of the services required for reproduction and services in that front. Now, they have the risk of um, government funding arrangement changes. So we know there's constantly a government's oh, yeah. always reassessing how much is going to be reimbursed and how much is covered. And yep. that really determines, and we see a lot of sway in how many people choose to have these services when such um, government funding arrangements are announced. Because it is quite, a, it's a very extensive process mm. to have IVF yep. and to have um, eggs frozen as well. And a lot of people I know have had their eggs frozen. It's not cheap at all. So. understanding that that is a risk on their front Um, but in the recent quarter they did have um, they had a decline in services so decline in cycles, sorry, were down um, in the first quarter, or this in the last quarter between July and October, um, but they were down nationally 10%. So it's right. not seen as like a problem for Monash IVF. That's just uh, part of the cycle at the moment. Yeah. But um, we do see that they're going to be positively impacted by new clinic openings over the next year and more people taking on their services. And um, that's positively going to impact revenue moving forward, but not until the second half of 2023.
1: Okay. And it was affected by COVID lockdowns and like that very that affected yeah
0: yeah and that kind of well, in that kind of business like you're, it's yeah. not uh, deemed as an essential an essential service so yeah. you've kind so, of put that on hold so with
1: that in the past yeah. that'll be good for them
0: and backlog demand yeah
1: okay let's recap the uh, the first uh, five stocks stock of the day or stocks of the day and um, sectors that would benefit from a, a higher Australian dollar after uh, the big jump in the currency last last night, after or earlier this morning, after the Fed uh, Fed announcement, um, gold um, from from Gradian Bill um, they see um, um, as being major beneficiaries to grey as their preferred one. there. Uh, retailers uh, that import a lot because imports will get cheaper, like JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman, could benefit from it. Um, ben was saying our stock market. Uh, benefits from uh, a higher Australian dollar because more investment comes from overseas. So maybe the ASX will be uh, the listed owner of, of the stock market platform. ASX might be a beneficiary into the future. Uh, Telex a buy from, uh, from Bell, a hold from Ben. Uh, Capricorn, Grady has a hold on it, uh, a sell from Ben. Coronado a buy from both. Um, ben and Grady. Town a spec buy from, uh, from Grady and Bell. Uh, a sell from Ben in that space prefers producers in particular mineral resources. And Monash IVF a, a buy from, uh, from Grady at Bell and uh, a hold from Ben. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction uh, growth fund as picked by our investment committee. Uh, the most recent investment. Investment committee meeting, but that was early December. Is on the platform still to see. Um, the next investment committee meeting, they didn't have one in January over the holidays. Uh, the next one will be on the platform this coming Tuesday, so to kick off the new year. Uh, back in December, uh, they got rid of Babcorp and Dominoes from the portfolio, added Index and Janison Education, and increased the weighting of elders. And um, since the 1st of March last year, when the, we introduced the Fantasy Fund, um, it's up 14%. And uh, you're watching the call here on Altspitz. all of january we had super buy now in february it is super absolutely if any of our experts on the call disagree with the stock in the call's fantasy portfolio they can say super and it comes straight back to the investment committee all of february exclusive on ausbiz you don't want to miss it yeah i don't think we'll be getting any academy awards for that uh ben well done for getting into the spirit of it um but (laughs) uh no supercells so far in this half of the call to go up to the investment committee, which Ben, of course, is is part of. All right, uh, this half hour, we're going to be uh, taking a look at uh, United Malt, Cedarwoods, Pacific Edge, Volpara Health Tech, and Costa Group. That is a diverse bunch of stocks that we're gonna be covering in this half hour. Um, First up, Sam wants a view, uh, Ben, on United Malt, of course, the, I think it's, the second biggest monster in in the world was high data grain corp uh, has risen the tailwinds of uh, boutique breweries around the world uh what do you think of united bolt yeah this
2: has been a like this looked like a really good business and you know talk about weird knock on COVID impacts I mean, you know it, COVID was awful for it because um you know pubs clubs breweries around the world were shut down and suddenly there was no demand for the um Uh, or not as much demand for the product Um, the problem with this business has been is i think you can easily everyone gets caught up on the the demand side but you forget about the supply side and ultimately this is an agricultural stock Um, and you you can see how volatile the share price has been we're going to talk about costa group later on as well which i think similarly uh, minded where You know, agricultural stocks, they're so hard because they um, can, you know, have that bad period of weather and suddenly six months of profits wiped out. You can have those boom times as well. You know, I've always sort of thought that these are probably better unlisted um, investments as opposed to listed. Um, So I think I'll say a hold at the moment because it has had quite a strong recovery from the last weather series of issues. It's. It's kind of one where you want to buy, you know, when you get that really nasty period and you want to sell it when you get those bumper seasons and right. um, I think it's kind of in the middle at the moment, you know, it's trading on 34 times earnings, but that drops to 17 times in FY 24, but that just highlights the the Volatility yeah. of the underlying earnings base for
1: me. Yeah, and also it's not just what happens here in Australia if there's a bumper crop of something in California or Brazil that also affects the global price gets a bit hard, doesn't it, with some of these agricultural yeah. stocks? I um, think you've got to take a
2: really long-term view, and yeah. um, you know the market doesn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, hard. yeah, yeah. Well, ha- having said that, though, the investment committee which you're on in December yeah. increased the weighting yeah. in Elders. They, we, 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 did. They did.
2: Um, but you know, I think Elders has got a lot of like less, de, you know, less volatile parts of the business. It's uh, got the real estate business. You know, the fertilizer right. part. Yeah, but it's diversified quite. It's not a, it's not a one commodity product. Yep. which on the demand or the supply side can can take a big hit or can have a great period yeah um you know elders is much more spread across different areas of the agricultural space
1: yeah it's almost like a listed investment company is it for, yeah. for yeah. ag so so that gives you a bit more certainty than sort of single product agricultural uh yeah. stocks, if you like. i think it-
2: typically find that if one area is doing well, one area might not be doing so well. They're well spread geographically, um, and there is some products they sell which are much less volatile in terms of pricing. All right, Uh,
1: that's interesting for investors, great ears. Uh, If you think, okay, I want agriculture, food thematic, I want exposure of it into my portfolio. What do you choose? You don't want to go overboard. is your United Malt one that you'd choose? It
0: is one right. at the moment because of the tailwinds, as you said, with the reopening of pubs, clubs and higher demand for booze or especially beer around yeah. the world and beer consumption has gone up. Um, this being one of the biggest producers of malt and that's a key ingredient in beer that drives some tailwinds moving forward. Um, Bell Potter also sees that the recent barley quality issues that they had around the world, there was a bad crop of barley. Um, those are recovering, which is good, mm-hmm. and unrecovered energy cost inflation also doubled to $8 million. So those tailwind, those headwinds sorry, are starting to kind of ease off into FY23, which the company very much needed, as we know. Um, those did impact revenue, though, so down 11%. Um, NPAT was down 66%. So these two factors, obviously, understanding that the barley and the cost of ingredients going up as well, um, the company did face these headwinds, but they are set to be uh, seasonal rather than structural in nature. Now, moving forward, the company also entered into a factoring agreement to take eighty to ninety million dollars of debt off the balance sheet um, to provide some covenant headroom. So that's also a bit of pressure off the off the balance sheet there. And they have a strong net cash position of $222 million. So for the company, the outlook they've maintained, their outlook moving forward. Um, and so the price target for Bell Potter has been increased to $4.05 to reflect that downgrade in their debt. So they've wiped off a bit of debt, um, which is exactly what we want to see moving into the new year.
1: Right, is elders a favoured one as well? Elders,
0: we don't cover elders. Right, So, Oh, actually we might do. Let me have a look quickly I'll give you. Yeah,
1: Uh, just be interested to see, uh, because that seems to hear on the call, um, a lot of the um, um, panellists, Actually, like elders, uh, particularly after the big drop-off that they had.
0: Uh, uh, elders, we have a hold rating. On. Hold rating. Hold okay. rating at the moment.
1: All right. Um, next, Doc um, Grady. Um, one that I don't think's come up much here on the call. Cedar Woods Properties. Yes. Um, Ray wants a view on that. They're in uh, mainly Victorian-based, aren't they? WA. In WA. Huge WA-based, uh,
0: yes.
1: <laughs> Land subdivision, your hometown.
0: My hometown. Uh, also
1: commercial <laughs> and retail.
0: Yeah, so the company is uh, very well positioned they've really not really suffered through the whole covid interest rates pandemic all of those headwinds they haven't actually taken a big hit they structured themselves really really well to head to take on these headwinds um, by pausing their portfolio expansion during covid or 2021 um, and their land division as well so the company is they really knew what was coming and they positioned themselves really well to mm. take on the headwinds um, by rating at the moment with a price target of five dollars and forty cents bell potter just initiated cover of this company right. so very good timing to be on the call with it now there we we see them as WA's leading property developer it's a medium-sized Australian property developer that operates in four states with most of around half of their work in WA ah. um, the company has low cash balance so three million dollars so not a lot of cash in the bank so may need to do a capital raise but it's expected to climb over the next few years um, rising interest rates had an impact on the sentiment in the building sector that's why the share prices come off but Bell Potter sees a woods have um, really they've stood back from adding to their property portfolio in 2020 and 2021 as i mentioned but they've got their land uh, they added to their land bank so they bought land have that sitting there ready to go and to develop on. And so right. given the fact that in Australia at the moment, there's low unemployment, national shortage of housing, as we can see, rental prices are through the roof, yeah. not enough housing for everyone. They're in a really, really good position in quarter one and quarter two to really mm. get their land bank exposure, use their land bank exposure, start building and start accommodating for this demand in um, housing. So okay. yeah, buy rating buy. at the moment.
1: Uh, ben, what do you think of uh, Cedar Cedarwood's uh, property, uh, what came out yesterday, building approvals, I think, were uh, up but mainly in that apartment area rather than uh, detached houses or something.
2: Yeah, I, like Cedarwoods is its a business that's always flown a bit under the radar. I think it's kind of the way they like to operate. But they, I, I agree that they've been good operators for many years. Um, and as Grady was sort of saying, like the principal asset of this business is this enormous land bank that they own. So. Um, they've been quite, like they've been good in terms of, you know, probably now when you know there's some pressure on land prices because of rates, etc. They probably look to bolster that land bank, and then when you start to move into the next stage of the cycle, it's house and land packages is the main sort of thing. They yep. they create, you know, those big almost mini suburbs, um, playgrounds and houses. It's affordable um, and largely West Australian based. Yep. Um, it's trading on about nine times earnings. Um, they've got about $400 million in net land. So that's the, you know, the, I think there's about $700 million in land and about $300 million in debt that's held against it. Um, and the yield's like nearly 7% fully frank. So I guess now's the time you get sort of interested in these sort of companies. So, you know, I think um, um, we all know why you probably don't want to own a business like Cedarwood at the moment. You, you'll probably find that, um, you know, that the pre-sales that they rely on uh, um, are going to slow down. Um, you know, I would have thought that a lot of the main customers of these projects are quite interest rate um, exposed, you know, like changes in interest rates mean quite a big thing to them and what they can afford to spend, yep. but there will, you know, we, we're in maybe not the depths, we're not maybe not there yet in this cycle, but you know we're well into it. <coughs> and, you, you kind of um, this is the time when you get interested in those cyclical businesses,
1: hmm. so I'll go buy. Wow. Okay, I did not expect that from both of you uh, with the uh, with the market at the moment. A rising interest rates. that's <laughs> good to know. Obviously, a really well run company um, that uh, always shines through. Does that with uh, with Enloss. Uh, David wants a few Ben on uh, Pacific Edge, the cancer diagnostics uh, company. Um, what do you think of pacific edge
2: look i'll do a quick one on this because this is a new zealand listed business which is dual listed in australia right. and it literally doesn't trade so you know when i looked in the screen there was only one seller and only one buyer um okay. so it's for that reason alone i'd be pretty wary of it yep. um i'd never heard of it uh it's a cancer diagnostic company Um, It does sell a product into America, but it's just been um, advised by, I think it's selling partner, that the product might no longer be um, um, given the compensation for Medicare, could make the treatment up to, that the the share price fell in New Zealand 40% on the news. Yeah. So I'm going to go sell. Okay. Without knowing the ins and outs exactly of the business. I think if you're an Australian. Yeah. You know, if you buy it, you're
1: almost certainly not going to be able to get out of it if you yeah, want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old lobster potters, they say easy to get in, but not so good to get out. Uh, Grady?
0: Yeah, it's a hold rating at the moment with a price target of 50 cents, just because as Ben said, the company, they've got a lot going on on the, um, the testing front. They've got this product called the CX Bladder Detect, which is rolling out in the US, as Ben said, as well. The Medicaid... the Uh, getting the money back so the service the compensation from that is looking is up up in the air at the moment so understanding that it's going to be probably very expensive if they don't get their reimbursements people aren't going to opt for this uh, opt for this treatment so it's a tool that um test for bladder cancer diagnostics. So the company had moderately increased tests over the last period. Um, testing in the US was flat due to this, um, as Ben said, the Medicaid un- uncertainty, um, and also due to the holiday period. Um, they also in line with expectations for their testing volumes of 22,000 for the year, which is pretty good. Um, they are expanding into Asia, so Southeast Asia. They've got this new product, the CX Bladder Detect Plus. So the, up, the second version of the CX Bladder Detect Um, which has higher sensitivity, uh, specificity, um, and they're just doing a lot better. So they are advancing into the new version of the product. But as Ben said, if they're not going to be able to have the, the reimbursements of what they need, um, the demand's going to go down. So they have a lot of catalysts this year with the potential rollout in Southeast Asia, clinical developments, and uh, most critically, obviously, the overhand of the CMS. Okay. So yeah, it's a hold just at the moment to see what happens.
1: Um, ben, George wants a view uh, whether your views are any different on Volpara health technology another New Zealand New Zealand company uh, also in breast cancer um, um, screening and diagnostics um, and analysis for for both the doctors and patients is Volpara in a different category
2: it is because the liquidity is much better. So yeah. you can, you know, that this is one that you can have a good look at. Um, and I think Australian investors are probably a bit more familiar with it. Yeah. Um, Valpara is an interesting one that they're selling a product into America. Um, and the issue I would have is, you know, when we looked at Telex, when, when, when they're rolling out this product, you are seeing this real ramp up in the sales, which says to me, you know, there's a clear unmet need there, um, that there's something that's, you know, in terms of the technology that doctors see as a bit of a breakthrough and they're embracing yep. it. We're not seeing that with Volpara. Um, the, the sales are growing, but they're growing fairly slowly um, over, you know, like a number of years now. Um, so it's not like, you know, this is only one or two quarters in, it's a, it's a breast cancer screening uh, right. tool. Um, and the business um, only went cash flow positive for the first time last quarter and again it was one million dollars cash flow positive now the market cap is much less heroic it's only 200 million dollars so there's a um, you know there's a it's a it's a different proposition against telex but you know I I, like if you're not seeing that sales ramp up I'd really want to do more work into why we're not seeing it Uh, is there a competitor competitors product that's um, that's taking share, um, has there been issues getting into hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. Because it, it would seem that it's like it's stagnated. Yep. And if it has, you've really got to do the work on the cost base to get that earnings up. And you know, you're still trading on 200, 300 times maybe, even if you can pull that off for four consecutive quarters. Yep. So I'm going to go a sell for this one.
1: Okay, interesting uh grady
0: this one's a buy from bell potter with a price target of a dollar and 10 cents now the company yeah bell potter has seen that this recently post covid prospect looks a much brighter for the company now As Ben was saying over 2,000 facilities use their technologies in the US um, for early detection of breast cancer. Now the cash receipts totaled $11.2 million dollars for the Q3 um, which was up 60% on Q2 so they are ramping up they are seeing a bit more um, of the cash flow coming through as Ben said it was their maiden cash quarter maiden cash cash flow positive quarter and cash inflows of 1.8 million dollars so that's really good. Um, Cash burn was less than Bell Potter expected but was driven by improved receivable collection but they are burning through cash as we see. So they've had 32.2 million in FY21, down to 19.1 million in FY22. So they are burning through quite a bit of cash. They've also exceeded expectations in the previous on previous quarters, so they are seeing, as I said, that ramp up in sales. But they're going to need to do a lot more, as Ben said. There is that gap in the market. So, what are they doing wrong to not be capitalising and kind of diving onto that really quickly? Um, they did actually have a successful RSNA conference in November, which is now translating to uh, contracts moving forward. So, we might see a bit more momentum into FY23, but. For now, it is a buy rating, just because right. we do see that they are ramping up their activity, especially in the US.
1: Okay, and our final stock for the call today is Costa Group. Grady Damien wants a view on our biggest uh, fresh produce company uh, here in Australia. Been going, family company started in the nineteen twenties. Uh, Frank Costa, president of Geelong AFL club <laughs> for a long time, was part of it. Um, but they have, well, they have. Um, sort of farms all around the world in Morocco and China here in Australia?
0: Uh, Costa Group has been downgraded to a hold from a buy by Bell Potter and a price target raised though to Uh, $2.90 just because there's a higher level of farm cost inflation so a lot of higher costs are faced by the company at the moment um, especially following the recent share price recovery so they're still facing a lot of cost inflation um, as we see across the board with fertilizers agchem products it's just this sector that's been hit at the moment um, in recent weeks we've seen a number of horticultural entities highlighting material uplift in the cost so especially on the fertilizer front so that's exactly where the headwinds are going to be faced for a little while to come and we expect that to keep going um, despite and they're going to lag the commodity movement so we're seeing commodity prices go up um, avocado prices coming back up and citrus prices coming back yep. up but that's going to lag the increasing costs so no. unfortunately that is the reason that we have a hold rating and not a buy rating at the moment um, in this sector I actually prefer New Farm just right. because of their okay. innovation with the Omega 3 with the canola and yeah. their diversification across the portfolio okay. not just on citrus and avocados
1: yep uh, Ben that's an ugly five year chart from Costa is that <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it is
2: and I uh, you know it's another one I, I think would probably be better as a private company which it was um, It was private, yes. by mm-hmm. private equity was floated uh, by the family sorry it was floated off um, just because I think you can make long-term decisions when you, a market's very short-term focused. Yeah. We used to own a business called Vital Harvest, which owned all of the land that Costa Group farmed off. It was the other two brothers of Frank um, owned it and they brought that to market. Right. And I, I tell you, it absolutely did my head in the period that we owned it because <laughs> the moving parts in these businesses are just extraordinary. I mean, there was this period where um, they had this um, problem called crumbly berry where um, the because they're a big berry producer like their raspberries were crumbling too much to be allowed to sell them they had an so issue wasn't with like that,
1: apple crumble you
2: know they had fruit fly issues um, in their citrus plantations they own amazingly good assets they're incredibly well run I think in terms of what yes. they do but the, you know, it's it's so hard to predict what next year looks like um, with these businesses, and I think they're always going to trade on a cheap PE because the market's never going to really know. Um, and then you've got, you know, like the pricing of the stuff. Like, you know, at the moment, like berries are a dollar, two dollars a punnet. So even when you have those good growing periods, you get this flood of supply and prices depressed. Yep. Um, so, you know, a lot of things kind
1: of need to line up for that really yep. amazing year. Um, and it's hard to know when it's going to be. And when you've only got 20 stocks in your portfolio, there are some you go, hey, there are a lot lot easier ones to, to follow than something as complex as that.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, try to predict what their earnings will be end of next 12 months. You could throw a dart at a dartboard. And you, yep. Yeah,
1: good point. All right, so I know from uh, Costa. Let's uh uh recap the final five stocks United Bot hold from Ben, buy from Grady, Cedarwood's a buy from both Cedarwood's property, uh, Pacific Edge hold from uh Bell and Grady, a sell from Ben, uh, Volpara a sell from Ben, a buy from uh, uh from Bell and Grady, Costa Group, uh, hold from Grady prefers new farm in that space. Uh, and a no from Ben. Uh, ben Clark from uh, TMS, good to see you, mate. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Good to catch up. And Grady Wolfe from Bell Direct, likewise. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Uh, if you've got any stocks you'd like me to uh, put to our our panels, just put them in an email, thecall at today or tweet us using the at Ausbiz tv handle. Uh, the Pulse is next. Don't go away. Mm-hmm.